How's it going on this great Wednesday afternoon? My name is Hayden Joyner and this is Off the Bench, your top sports talk show here on XLR, Lander University Radio. I am joined with co-hosts Liam Worley and Chris Fortenberry. Chris, welcome back, dude. It's been a, it. It's been a while. You've been practicing on the golf game. Been grinding, man. Yeah, we've, we've been hearing pretty pretty good stuff. Me and Liam, we've been holding down the fort a little bit. NASCAR F1 talk to to fill the time a little bit, but uh, none of that this week, sadly. Uh, where's NASCAR's gone this week? Where are they back next week? Uh, they're they're back this week at Martinsville. This weekend, yeah. Okay, at Martinsville, not not no no, no more dirt Bristol. We're back to the normal schedule. Yeah, uh, Chris, you've been training hard with golf, hoping to get to the Masters. I'm assuming, maybe. Oh yeah, that's the goal, man. You know, you got you going to the tournament tomorrow. You're gonna be playing in it. <laughs> I wish. I'll be there soon. Well, speaking of the Masters, I know uh, got a, y'all some golf fans. April eighth to the eleventh, this upcoming weekend, the Masters in Augusta. So, uh, talk me through it, guys. Uh, what's what's going on for this uh, this weekend? Jordan Spieth wins this week at the Masters. <laughs> back to back. I like the little music, the little, little uh, yeah. Masters. I don't even know what to call it. Their intro, their that's jingle. Just, that's just their little piano riff. But uh, anyway, he went from sixty to one odds to ten to one, which is second behind the defending champion Dustin Johnson. Mm-hmm. I like his. I like his odds a lot. Now, yeah. which which tournament did he win last weekend? Valero, the Valero Texas, Texas Open. That's right. Okay, and that was his first one in what, like four years? Three and, and a half. Three and a half years yeah, since twenty seventeen. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I saw a bunch of that stuff on Twitter, but. So you got Jordan Spieth going back to back. Chris, the golfer. Uh, what, what are we thinking here? Mm, well, Liam knows we do our picks normally every every week for the PGA Tour, <laughs> and uh, my picks were actually Spieth and DeChambeau. Yeah, uh, I like DeChambeau because you know last time he played the Masters, he was you know heavily well he was pumping himself up for the event, thinking he was going to run away with it, but just didn't even come close. And I think he kind of was a little embarrassed from that performance. Hmm. He's going to be looking to approve himself this time. So I think he'll have a different, a little bit different strategy. He's still going to try and overpower the course, but I think it'll work a little bit better this time just because he kind of has figured it out a little bit better since then. So I like DeChambeau and you can't, you can't go wrong with uh, Jordan Spieth at Augusta. He always plays it well. Even if he's playing terrible, he's always going to be thriving at Augusta. So he's probably a very good pick uh, on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's kind of his niche over there. He's even when he was playing, you know, not great golf, he was still, you know, showing up at Augusta for at least one or two rounds. But uh back to our fantasy picks, I picked I wanted to pick Spieth, but he always picks him, so I just let him have it. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh I picked Xander Shoffley. He finished tied for second there. Uh when Tiger Woods won, uh I don't remember him doing too terribly well this past year, but he was hanging around a little bit. Uh, and then my kind of sleeper pick is uh-huh. Lee Westwood. He's always played good golf uh-huh. in big tournaments. Uh, he did at the Players this year and the Arnold Palmer Invitational, so I'd expect him to maybe post a number or two this week. Now, the last Masters, that was that was recent, wasn't it? Yeah, November. November. That was in November, yeah, because yeah. we talked about it, or me and Jameson. Are, are we all on the show we talked about the Masters last time? I think so. Or was it just me, Jameson, and someone else? It may have been Chris. Oh, yeah. All right, maybe it was you, me, you, me Jameson, and Maybe Hubie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Matt. Which is Matt? <laughs> yeah, was he on? I can't remember. Matt, Matt needs to get back on the show, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, that was the last Masters. That was obviously delayed because of COVID, and now they're having it again now in April, which is their typical time. So we get the Masters, and then got another year to wait until it again. But uh, all I know is I'm not paying attention in class the next two days. <laughs> <laughs> I've got uh, I got I got one class tomorrow, and then I'm off. I'm getting like 
my classes are getting canceled like left and right because of these final projects. They're just like, man, don't come to class. I had one canceled today, and unfortunately, I didn't receive the email, so <laughs> I was the only one that showed up. Well, see, I, I have the opposite thing. I've had it was no, it was last week. I get teacher emailed us in the morning saying class is canceled. I read it, and then I just didn't read the fine print at the bottom that says don't come to class. And I showed up and waited for about five minutes, and I was like, yeah, this class, we're not having it. Yeah. I, just, I just walked back to my room. Yeah, but yeah. that you know that happens. I'll mm-hmm. tell you, um, you know, March Madness. We'll shift. Uh, we'll shift to this. I wasn't paying attention in class during that either. So that's. I mean, I've always skipped class for March Madness. Even like back in high school, I'll watch it on my phone. I'll find some stream to yeah. it or something on my phone and watch it. But um, we were talking about it for the last last month, it seems, or the last couple of weeks, and uh, it's finally drawn to a conclusion this past weekend. Me and Liam previewed the Final Four last week, and Saturday and Monday. It came to a finish. Amazing game, UCLA and Gonzaga on Saturday. Uh, that was the night game. It followed uh, a dominant performance by Baylor, destroying Houston in the national semifinals in those two games. And it all came down to Monday night, Baylor versus Gonzaga, undefeated team in Gonzaga, looking to be the first team since UCLA in the 70s to complete an entire undefeated season. And they fell short, becoming the third straight undefeated team to lose in the national championship they fell to Baylor in a pretty, honestly, a pretty embarrassing performance, eighty-six to seventy. What were your? Did y'all watch the game at all? Watch the highlights? What were yeah. y'all's initial reactions uh, to it? So, I mean, in, on the show last week, I picked Gonzaga, mm-hmm. and I was sticking by that. First off, round of applause for me for picking Baylor. Yeah, I, I mean, picked Baylor. I'm I mean, happy that's kind of going out on a limb a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I thought so. I thought most people thought uh, Gonzaga were going to win, and you know, I was kind of one of those people, but. <laughs> They didn't show up for the game. Uh, I don't. I didn't watch the first when Baylor had already pulled away. I was watching the score, but I was doing some homework or something. Yeah, that's how I was doing too. Yeah, yeah. and I saw that Baylor kept pulling away, and I was like, "Geez!" And so, <laughs> you know, about halfway through the first half, I turned it on, and Baylor just they kept persisting, and they had some great guys that were getting some great rebounds and some clutch threes just to uh, tick along. And then Gonzaga, they had a little stretch at the end of the first half to give them some hope going into mm-hmm. the second, and that just did not pan out for them. And they ended up uh, going down by a bunch more again, and that momentum never uh, came back to them. And so, you know, they kind of they ended up losing by what sixteen? Yeah, yeah. And that was about the spread the whole game was yeah. somewhere in that area. Yeah, it was in the mid teens the whole game. Yeah, right at right at the end of the first half, you're right. Gonzaga had a. It, not like a major push, but they had it was a little... like nine to two in the last yeah they two had, or three minutes. They had a little something. bit of a run to draw it within ten at halftime, which you know at halftime and you're only down by ten. That seems pretty manageable, Reasonable. especially for an undefeated Gonzaga team that's averaging over ninety points a game. Yeah, but then you come out in the second half. Jared Butler for the Baylor Bears hit two incredibly big shots, yes. put him back in a hole, and Gonzaga just couldn't figure out. They didn't lead at all the entire game. It was bad from the start. Baylor jumped out to like a twenty to seven lead or something insane right at the start. And they were just behind the whole time. Baylor's biggest lead, 20 points, and Gonzaga never really pulled it really within within single digits except just very, very few times. Like, at the start of the game, obviously, and then I think they got it within nine in the second half, and then as soon as they got within nine, Baylor scored, like, eight straight. And, like, it just it, – every time they get close, Baylor just put the brakes on. I saw I saw a really funny meme. It's like, you know, you know, like, the meme where it's, like, the guy sitting back in a chair at the controller and then mm-hmm. he leans forward on his like, – he like, yeah. leans forward. But it was, like – it was like Baylor every time Gonzaga gets within single digits. It's like, all right, we'll, we'll put the burners back on for like f- five minutes here, draw the lead out again, and 
and just brought it back. But they did that incredibly well. Uh, that's that was kind of the theme of the game. Yeah, that would happen, and then they'd pull away again. It happened every time. Yeah, Chris, you went on the show last week, so we didn't get to hear your pick. But who were you? I, know, I don't. I think bra- the bracket challenge between all of us was kind of. It wasn't over going. Well, it was pretty much over going to the championship game. But who were you pulling for uh, in that game, or who do you think was going to win? Uh, well, I was obviously pulling for Baylor. I just didn't want Gonzaga to go undefeated. Uh-huh. Um, plus, I didn't like their team. They're really cocky. <laughs> I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. Dude, that guy's mustache is beautiful. Yeah, bro. it is. Kispert or Timmy? Do they both have mustaches? Timmy, I think. Timmy's the, the, I'm Timmy's the main guy. Number yeah. two. It's got the just yeah. gigantic handlebars going on. But uh, no, I mean, I was I was definitely pulling for Baylor. I thought Gonzaga was going to win just because they've been looking good. But I guess I mean, if you look at it, Baylor was kind of running through everybody. Mm-hmm. Like. They just didn't really have yeah. any, many issues. They were plowing. And, yeah, and then Gonzaga, you know, with UCLA, what were they, eleven seed? Um, mm-hmm. UCLA, yeah, eleven yeah. seed. So it was kind of it was kind of crazy to see them go all the way there, and but they they played really well. Yeah. And uh, I thought maybe it was just you know one of those shocker games where UCLA just keeps it close, and I thought with all the momentum Gonzaga had from that game winning shot, they were just going to take it right into the championship. But no, in the words of I think it was Damian Lillard. He said they ain't seen dogs like Baylor, huh? Yeah. So I guess that's what happened. They just got shocked by a really strong, powerful team. The momentum factor from Gonzaga's and Jalen Suggs' game-winning shot on Saturday, I definitely thought could have carried over a little bit. I thought it was gonna. I thought it was too. And then, but I mean, if you in retrospect, you think you know Gonzaga played that overtime like absolute battle of a game versus UCLA. Like you know, you were you had to be at your all the entire game exactly that whole game meanwhile Baylor over there just was whooping up on Houston by about 20 points the entire game so they were just you know playing their defense casually shooting scoring and they had the easy game so you can make the argument they were going to be more rested they didn't have to go into overtime or they had an easier game but then again you might have you could make the argument they phased out mentally if they had such an easy game so that's true there's definitely the the mix there I'll I'll shift to our our bracket challenge I don't know have y'all looked at the results yet officially I I deleted the app about (laughs) two weeks ago (laughs) well I'll say when Oral Roberts beat Ohio State that ruined my brackets hey Kentucky didn't even make the tournament And, and oddly enough I was pretty invested in this bracket regardless mm-hmm. but um it came after the final it came down to gonzaga ucla that was the deciding game if ucla had won i be- i think I, if i had done my math and stuff correctly i would have won the bracket challenge if because that means because i had baylor my championship game my best bracket so i would have gotten that edge but since gonzaga won it meant that Liam jumped me because he got the points for gonzaga and he still had the national title championship so all in all, congrats to Liam for Woo! winning the, the the inaugural off the bench bracket challenge with a total of 780 points done on ESPN in the 63rd percentile top of our bracket. Jesus, um, that's bad. Yeah, our, I mean, I was looking at a lot. Our brackets weren't that good in no. the grand scheme of things. No, I mean that's how bad was that's mine? not even was two I like thirds lower than 50. percent I'm trying. I'm trying to look at all the list right now and like the order of who. Um, would win like you know if it, if it was like f1 points for per team right like who had the highest um and i want to say if we had actually let me think i think liam would have squeaked by chris t- in total points um the, the 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 order it went in it went liam first hayden second chris third chris fourth then liam fifth jameson liam hayden chris hayden jameson jameson so I'm pretty sure if I look at this right, it's going to be the the grand order of the whole thing would be Liam, Chris, Hayden, Jameson. Yeah. So I think uh, me and Chris and 
you uh yeah us three would have been really close jameson with the two bottom brackets who that's what you get for pick a clemson dog <laughs> he had villanova and kansas as his national championship like west virginia in a game or something jameson let's see some off the wall crap yeah he, he was in the six and the five percentile in his bottom two brackets oh my um my worst <laughs> perc- a boy my worst percentile was a what was a 13th percentile liam your worst was 23rd and chris's your worst was also 13. Let's go. Me and Chris. Was that the Ohio State one I picked to go all the way? Yeah. Probably. You, you and me, Chris, you and me actually tied in our bracket. We tied for ninth place for our worst ones each. Mm. Um, but yeah, Liam's Gonzaga bracket won the overall thing, and my Michigan bracket came in second place. That's crazy that our top bracket was a 63rd percentile because in my other bracket challenges I do with some of like my high school buddies, like let's look. My other brackets, I had one that in my high school buddies' brackets, it was like. 18th and it was in the 70th percentile so my my my, my high school guys granted they put like in 12 brackets each so they had mm-hmm. a, a bunch but uh the winning bracket for them let's see we had one two three four we had eight people pick baylor to win including me i finished where did i finish i finished sixth but they won with the total our, our top guy his name's josh who i went to high school with 99.9 percentile he got 14 1450 points with a Baylor victory. Jiminy Crickets. I gotta look at this one. That's like that's that's gotta be like top something in the world. Yeah, it's probably top hundred. There's a couple people with 100 percent, but that doesn't mean they got all of them right. Yeah, well, that means they were in the hundred percentile. Yeah, they just, had a, they just had a yeah the percent bracket going that like yeah. percentage on ESPN. It's the percentile nationally. It's not how, yeah. the percentage of you getting stuff mm-hmm. right. Correct. But looks like let's see, Josh. He got his elite eight. Uh. Well, he didn't even lead eight right. He got three of his final four right. He got the champion championship and the champion right. So that probably put him for a butt a buttload of points. But I mean, yeah, getting getting Baylor and Gonzaga and then picking Baylor to win is going to get you a lot of stuff. But, yeah, yeah. The fact that he got fourteen fifty in his bracket. Meanwhile, our top was like in the seven hundreds. Uh, but we only we only did three brackets each, so I don't blame us too too hard. But I don't know. I feel like a lot of us were going off the limb in ours. Oh, I was definitely stretching. I was picking some upsets. Some of mine. Yeah. yeah. The problem was I had my. So this is the problem. My team was in it. They were a Too highly seeded team. Yeah. So you got you got okay. We're a good team, and you know you have an emotional attachment to them. Yeah. And that just ruined me for the whole thing because I I had a feeling. Have you been learning your bias and statistics or not? No. I mean, like, <laughs> well, like you see, I saw us in the Big Ten tournament, and we did so well. We took out Michigan. Yeah. You know, we got to the championship barely. We lost to Illinois by three. You yeah. know, in overtime, I believe. So it's like, what the heck, man? It's. I mean, like, I'm look. If I look at the the graphic I made forever ago with all of our brackets and our champions on it, only one of us had Baylor in a championship game, which is honestly surprising because they were the number two ranked team the entire year. They probably could have been a national champion or uh, undefeated national champion if they didn't have that COVID issue. Yeah. Which I was the only one that had Baylor in a national championship, but Gosh, I had them losing to Michigan. Wasn't feeling it. I had okay. them losing to Michigan, but you know, I had that Big Ten hype going. Jameson yeah, had Villanova too. and Kansas of all teams winning. Just Chris, you had Ohio State, Illinois, and uh, Gonzaga, which aren't bad picks. It's just Illinois and, and yeah. Illinois and Ohio State were victims to the two biggest upsets this year. I mean, they were one and two seed and lost uh, an eight and a fifteen. Yeah. So. And, and then Liam, you had a uh, two Illinois and a Gonzaga, so yeah. your Illinois got ruined pretty quickly. But yeah, indeed they did. But you know that's that's how the cookie crumbles. But back yep. to the the actual game again, Liam. Congratulations on your big victory, redeeming Drops, yourself yes. from your below five hundred game picks record. <laughs> but thirty three percent, four and eight, baby. Let's go. But back to this championship game. 
What was the, I mean, yes, Baylor was super dominant. They were dominant throughout the tournament and they destroyed Gonzaga. What was the reasoning, really, do we think? What were we contributing to them with this performance? Like, I don't know, just pure grit, I guess. Yeah. They went in there and they wanted it more than Gonzaga did. I mean, that's that's how you get a good uh, cushion in the points. And that's what they did as soon as they came out of the gates and they never looked back. Yeah, they came out strong and, like you said, didn't look back. They just played they came and they showed up and gonzaga didn't that was bottom line i mean in that game before where gonzaga played ucla you'd think that would have helped them mentally but it could also mentally drained them yeah i mean they had to go to overtime they couldn't let ucla score uh at the end of either the regulation period or uh overtime so they had a lot going on and i mean you know, they all said that that shot was going in, but you know, most of us watching on TV were uh, not not so optimistic about it. So yeah. I mean, that it just it took a lot out of them and probably out of their fan base too. I mean, there was a decent amount of people there for mm-hmm. the game, but I don't know how many were representing Gonzaga. It was definitely super nerve wracking for them, I'd say. But I mean, for Baylor in this championship game, it's. I mean, I, I said this last week, I think, but Baylor was just overlooked this whole tournament, in my opinion. They were. I mean, they weren't considered. I didn't see a ton of people, at least like in my bracket stuff, picking Baylor. I mean, none of us even picked Baylor to win in our bracket challenge. They just seem to be overlooked. They're in a tough, um, their region, you know, we had Ohio State going through. A couple of us did. And I had Arkansas. I was really high on the SEC teams for some reason. I don't know if that's biased or not. But I was picking Arkansas to make it out of there a couple times. It's just I don't know. We just overlooked Baylor somehow, and they and they're a solid, solid team. I mean, they got three potential NBA players that were dominant in that national championship yeah. game: Massey Oteague, Davion Mitchell, and um, what's the other guy? What's his name? Uh, Jared Butler. Those three guys, phenomenal players. And then down low, they had big guys, huge size. I mean, they look like football players out there, honestly, competing against the rec team that looks Flo like Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, Flo Thamba, Mo Bamba, Flo. That's what I was thinking as soon as I, I was don't like, know, but it's like he, another Mo Bamba club. He did not play well. He had like three points and fouled out like halfway through the fourth or something. He it was Butler and Mitchell who had the game the night, right? Yeah. Uh, Stat wise, if I can get them to no, load no, in. number eleven, whoever that was, he had a butt ton of rebounds. Butler had like twenty something points and seven rebounds. I yeah, Jared Butler, twenty two points and six rebounds total. I don't know why ESPN does it like separately like that, but yeah. Or no, Jared Butler, 22 points, 3 re- rebounds, 7 assists. Seven assists. Davin, Davion, Davion Mitchell, 15 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. And then Massey Oteague, 19 points, 2 rebounds, 0 assists. And then uh, Vitell, number 11, like mm-hmm. you said, down low. He was pure dominant. 11 total rebounds, 8 of those being offensive rebounds. Yeah, those offensive rebounds were gold. He seemed to like... I, he looked like there were some shots that would go off the rim, and he looked like he was getting bodied down low by, by Timmy and all those guys. And he would just like shoot his arms out and just happen to grab the ball and i'm like how did you even reel that in like there's there's three that were very shocking to me that he got yeah playing out of his mind and as well on the bench you know 15 total point or no not 15 21 total points from your bench for baylor that's pretty phenomenal as for gonzaga you had jalen suggs star of the saturday night game he put up a 22 one and three line as well timmy and kispert both combining uh both t- 12 points total combining for 24 I mean, if you told me Drew Timmy is going to score 12 points in the national championship game, I don't think they're winning. Like, yeah. that's not the performance you've been seeing. He's been averaging roughly 25 points he a game. He was in foul trouble for a lot of that game, too. Yeah, I think he got he got four pretty early on in the second half, or like yeah. halfway through the second half, and it took him out. And Gonzaga's bench really didn't show up, only seven total points from their bench. So 
it was just honestly what this came down to, and you could say this was a blow. It wasn't a too entertaining of a national championship game. But I just felt that the way Baylor played this game and their defense of the whole game, it made it entertaining to watch. Like I, I like what you said, Liam, I was kind of following the score for a bit of the first half. I tuned in at the end of the first half, watched the entire second half, part of the first half, and I was just amazed at how well Baylor's game plan coming into this thing was. Like it was they were purely phenomenal and dominant on their defensive side. They were cutting off passing lanes that Gonzaga's been using all game or all tournament. Caused turnovers, got deflections, they hustled everywhere. There was like one highlight play where I can't remember which player it was for Baylor, but he the ball was going out of bounds. He jumped out of bounds to save it, ended up going back to Gonzaga, and then he ran around the bench, came mm-hmm. all the way back in, and pretty much almost blocked a three point shot, yeah, causing a miss. I do remember that. Yeah, just their hustle, like they were just it looked kind of like chaotic at some points from Baylor, but it was working. They were just running and I don't know how they didn't run out of breath sometimes, but yeah. they were going absolutely crazy on there. Yeah, they wanted it, and they went and got it. So. Yeah, they wanted it a ton more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Baylor, more steals than Gonzaga, 8-4, eight, eight to four, more rebounds, 38-22. to 22. Offensive rebounds, they out-rebound them 16-5, to 15, or 16, to five. 16 offensive rebounds, and most well, of those getting their, put back. Yeah. Their three-point shooting was way better than Gonzaga's was, too. Yeah, it was like, what, they shot like 43, 44% from three. I don't know, three. but forever Gonzaga only had two or three threes mm-hmm. and I, I don't know what they ended up with but when I turned it off with about four minutes left I only think they had made three well what was really interesting towards the end of the game Gonzaga it was a it was somewhere in the second half they had got it down to about single digits they got it to like nine yeah and they were kind of down between like 12 like nine to 14 points for a while which again is pretty bad but it's somewhat manageable at some points and Baylor even went on a scoring drought around maybe like six seven minutes left but Gonzaga, they missed like three or four straight free throws, and it just kept giving the momentum back to Baylor. Like, I remember seeing that. They just kept missing, and it was very uncharacteristic of them. But just missing free throws, and as soon as you do that, it gives the the benefit and the momentum right back to Baylor. And they just continued to be super dominant. I don't, I mean, Gonzaga, I mean, if it's the debate on whether Baylor won or Gonzaga lost this game, I think it's really a combination of both. Yeah. Gonzaga lost this game just as much as Baylor did. That's, Baylor was super true. dominant. And even if Gonzaga had played to their full strength, I still think Baylor could have won this game Baylor still. Would have, mm-hmm. Baylor would have squeaked. Yeah. I think it would have been like more of a four to six point game instead of a, a 16. 16 to 20 point game. Yeah. Like, yeah, if, if Gonzaga had played to their strength, this would have been a phenomenal national championship game. But the fact that Baylor played amazing and Gonzaga played so bad created that giant gap that we saw and you know it puts a really bad end on Gonzaga's season especially as an undefeated undefeated team who was dropping 100 points on on other programs throughout the season averaging over 90 points per game the entire year uh, second in the nation I believe for that phenomenal year from those guys and their program has been going up and up every year it seems they're getting closer and closer to obviously this year getting as close as you can get without winning a national championship trying to get the first one for their Small school up in uh, what is it, Washington? In yeah. East Washington up there. So they're trying their best, but they're in uh, they're in that West Coast Conference, which is kind of weak. So I mean, St. Mary's, you know, can produce a good basketball team every now and then, but yeah. overall, their uh, in conference competition is uh, not you know Big Ten, SEC, ACC, none of yeah. that. 
And that argument's I feel like that argument's been said a lot recently. Like since the game happens, like, oh, was Gonzaga should they have been ranked number one the whole year anyway? Because they're undefeated, but it's like UCF being undefeated. Like, are they really that good? Yeah. Like UCF and football I'm, I'm right. alluding to. Mm-hmm. It's like are they really that good or it's just their easy conference? But do we think they were overrated this year or nah. like we think they're I mean being they, number they one were beating teams in the tournament by a decent amount yeah. until yeah, I mean, they UCLA. made it to the championship game. I yeah. mean you can't I can't you can't dog them for that. They yeah. just no. lost to a good team. Yeah, yeah, there's no way you're worse than the top or yeah, worse than the top five team if you make it to the national no, championship game. Yeah, you're you're phenomenal. I mean, even I mean you can make UCLA seemed phenomenal. I don't know really where they were all that all season. I didn't really follow them too much, but they were phenomenal in the tournament. This was just overall a very good tournament, and uh, really congrats to everybody that was in it. The UCLA and Gonzaga game, we, we talked about it a little earlier on Saturday, that's going to be regarded as one of the best games ever in the NCAA tournament. That I mean, the final shot's phenomenal. It's comparable to you know the Villanova-UNC NCAA or Villanova UNC championship game back in 2016, I think, and then there's been some other phenomenal shots. Tristan Leitner for Duke on Kentucky back Back in the day, just that's going to be up there. That highlight reel is going to be there for 20, 30 years, it seems. And mm-hmm. That game, 93 90, UCLA losing to Gonzaga, phenomenal. I mean, I, I hope they make ESPN 30 for 30 out of that or something. Just on the, so good. I mean, first four to final four has a pretty nice ring to it. It's what I named the, the episode last week, and that's what UC, or UCLA did, beating, uh, I mean, they beat Michigan State in the first four to make it to the tournament in the first place. And if you remember back in that Michigan State game, they were down like 16, 15 points in that game. Right. So they were, I mean, they were down big. It took a major comeback for them to win that game against Michigan State and the Spartans. If they hadn't done that, then this never would have happened. And we probably would have seen Michigan or Alabama in the national or in the, in the national semifinal or the championship. Yeah. So I'll take any, I'll take a 30 for 30 in UCLA. And they were literally one shot away from going to double overtime and possibly becoming, I think it would be the first double digit seed to ever make a national championship. Game. I, mean, I don't think it's ever happened. I mean, I don't know, but like that was just such a great moment, like in sports history. Like mm-hmm. I can only personally think of two moments that like moved me more that happened in sports uh-huh. and like sports total or college basketball. Sports. Please tell me total. one of them is Tigers comeback win at the Masters. No. Oh <laughs> what gosh. are they? It's the kick six and then Chase oh Elliott winning the, the, the championship. That's, yeah. Oh, uh, the on, kick six. Come on. That, that emotionally got me. Yeah, I'll give him that. I'm, saying. I'm sure about, Liam emotionally got. The more than you, like the world. Wait, what was the other one you said, Liam? The kick six. No, the other one. Oh, Chase Elliott? Oh, Chase. Yeah. No, I mean, both of them are... You may have been one of four people who shed a tear in the entire world for Chase Elliott winning. I don't know, man. (laughs) Maybe six. Maybe seven. (laughs) But, I mean, you know... I will say the kick six six for an Auburn fan must have been pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Well, I mean, it's amazing to see a big rivalry game like that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know end in that sort of fashion oddly enough two of the three that you have ended up in both the teams losing in the national championship game Uh uh-huh yeah very it happens man (laughs) i was sitting on my phone i mean we were all texting in our group chat during the ucla game and i remember i was this was literally a thought in my head i was as soon as johnny juzang got his rebound and put it back up i was about to type in our chat like what a phenomenal game he just saved ucla and i stopped myself i was like wait till this game's finished you have no idea what's about to happen because i knew there was like four seconds left and we know gonzaga is good from the three-point line so i just put my phone i was like let me just wait and i hit the shot and then i started like just keyboard spamming the chat like <laughs> like what the f just happened like that was absolutely insane Dude, like, between you and cole and like just me <laughs> geeking i was like oh my word <laughs> we were yeah we were we were going absolutely insane in that chat and all the other 
all the other stuff that I was involved in, like that was just, yeah. I was just sitting on my couch and my, my dad wanted to change, or my dad and my brother wanted to change the channel at one point to, uh, or they were like, you know, let's just put it on, uh, on the, uh, the new Marvel show, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. What's it called? Falcon, Falcon and, Winter and the Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah, they were like, let's put it on that. I was like, no, like, finish this game. Come on, guys. My dad's an average college basketball fan. I was like, watch this. I was like, my dad was convinced for a little bit. He was like, Worth maybe, maybe Gonzaga's going to pull out. But uh, nah, phenomenal, phenomenal game. And uh, if UCLA had won that game and they had made the national championship game, how, what, would, what, would, what do you think would have happened there? Do you think Baylor would have still been as dominant? Or do you think UCLA would have completed the ultimate 30 for 30 story? Probably Baylor comes out on top. Still. Yeah. Absolutely. Been, I think it would have been a dogfight. You know, you got two really? teams so motivated. I, I would have said Baylor still woke up feeling more dangerous than yeah. UCLA. I mean, they came out and they were eating. And, you know, UCLA, they would have had a little more spunk to them yeah. than Zaga did. I think but if I think, I think if they you, had come up short. If UCLA had made it, I'm pretty sure they and they had played Baylor, you know, obviously the skill level is a huge gap, but UCLA has been on this amazing tournament run. They've knocked off Alabama and Michigan and – about Dick Gonzaga, I'm sure they wouldn't have gotten dog walked as bad as bad as Gonzaga did against no. Baylor. They would have they would have put up a little bit of a fight. Yeah, but overall, I just gotta say, you know, phenomenal tournament. Do it again next year. Oh yeah, we'll Ma- be I, here. I think it definitely made up for uh, for missing it last year. Still sucks we missed it last year, but it definitely made up for it. So hey, yeah. Auburn can be in it next year too, man. I'm pumped. About I, that. I got a good feeling that all three of our teams are going to be there next year. I mean, Kentucky should be there every year. If they're not, it's a major major mm-hmm. disappointment for us. And we only missed it this year. Um, because you know some of our, some of our players were questionably very bad, and now a lot of them uh, we're mostly talking about Devin Askew, who just transferred out of Kentucky, and Sick. who knows what he'll do. Although you know Johnny Juzang transferred out of Kentucky last year, and we saw what he did for UCLA in the yeah. tournament. So you know whatever happens to those guys, we just brought in a big transfer from uh, from Davidson. Um, Steph, you know I wish it was Steph, but <laughs> it, it wasn't Steph. Um, so you know Kentucky will refire. I think a lot of us, you know, we t- I think Liam used this last week. Um, a lot of the teams that rely on freshmen were really screwed over this past year because of COVID. They didn't get all the preseason training that they usually would do. They didn't have the time to bond as a team. So a lot of the veteran teams were the ones that, that made it out. I mean, Duke and Kentucky were awful. UNC had a down year compared to what they usually were. I mean, yeah. they weren't very good last year either, and they had a down year this year. And now Roy Williams is out of the building. So we'll see how they go forward. But, you know, they were just an eight seed, and I think they they, lost, they didn't even make it. They didn't even win. They lost to Wisconsin in the first mm-hmm. round, I believe. So all the Blue Bloods, they'll be back. Kansas had a down year as well. Um I mean, they were a three seed, but still a down year yeah. for Kansas standard. I expect to be a top five overall. Yeah, yeah. we'll expect Auburn. Y'all, y'all, y'all will kick it next year. Y'all I don't been, know. You've we, been getting pretty Shreve good. Sharif Cooper declared for the draft last week. We're probably screwed. You'll get. We're uh, preseason. Um, I think we're at, sitting at four right now. Really? Yeah, early. You know, early, 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 early ranking. It's only if our EJ Liddell comes back, but he put his name in the draft. So we got a good guard from the College of Charleston, though. So you know some Ooh. in-state talent going over. College yonder. of Charleston, yes, sir. The, the, the basketball factory. They've been not bad. They played. They got into the tournament last year. Did they? Maybe would it? No, not last. Not like the tournament that we didn't have, but the one before. I uh, the 2019 one, that yeah. Virginia one. Yeah. Yeah. Let me. Uh, I think they were a 13 seed. They might, exact. they might get pretty good. They just got the uh, the Winthrop head basketball coach Pat Kelsey, who uh, they're not bad either. Yeah, Winthrop was very bad. I mean, they they were undefeated for a huge stretch of time this past season. Winthrop, they're my hometown team from from Rock Hill, and and they made it uh, to the NCAA tournament. A lot of people had them being like a huge upset, beating Villanova first round. I think they were a twelve seed. I think I picked them. I picked Winthrop in a few brackets too. Yeah. They ended up falling, but now Pat Kelsey, their head coach, is going to Charles College of Charleston. So maybe uh. Maybe they'll get a little kick in there. They'll they'll get a they'll get a pretty good tournament run. But yeah, we'll go into a quick break, and when we're back, 
We got some NFL news to talk. We got some mock drafts to discuss. We got some some draft trade potential, and we got a major trade with the quarterback going to the Carolina Panthers. Ooh-wee. So we will get into that after the song break, guys. So again, if you have not followed us on social media, please consider following us there. You can look us up at Off the Bench XLR. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as well. On YouTube, look up Off the Bench or click the links in our other social media bios to find our YouTube clip and our YouTube channel for long-form clips up to 10 minutes of the show there. Anyway, guys, follow us again on social media. That is at Off the Bench XLR. Listen to this one song, and we'll be right back talking some NFL football. My name is Hayden Joyner, joined with Chris Fortenberry and Liam Worley on the show. Just finished discussing the NCAA tournament, Baylor and UCLA trying to defeat Gonzaga, one becoming national championship game, the other one probably going to be a 30 for 30 at some point in UCLA. But guys, NFL news, there's not too, too much. We're running dry in the offseason, but we also are running low on, on weeks that we're doing the show. So we'll be picking some stuff up. I know the last the last week of the show which I believe, Liam, we talked about this at one point in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I believe April 28th will be our last show. We'll probably do our huge uh, way-too-early predictions and all that stuff. We did our bowl predictions, but our way-too-early predictions are our, our official our official ones. So we'll pick Super Bowl. We'll pick playoff teams. We'll do all that fun stuff. For the end of the season, as for now, we have off-season news, as always. The biggest stuff coming out, Sam Darnold getting traded to the Carolina Panthers for, I believe... A 2021 fourth-round pick and a 2022 sixth-round and second-round pick. Darnold going from the New York Jets to the Carolina Panthers. Chris, you are already nodding your head because this means that the first three overall picks are now guaranteed pretty much to be quarterbacks, and your man Jay Fields could go second or third overall. But first off, before we get into that, the impacts of this trade, Carolina Panthers, uh, New York Jets, they've already done a deal. Did a deal last year for Robbie Anderson. He is in Carolina, and now the Carolina Panthers have a quarterback who they got pretty cheaply. He's just going to enter his fifth-year option, and they have weapons, and they could possibly make a push with uh, Sam Darnold. If not, it's only a one-year deal most likely because it's rookie season, a rookie deal, fifth-year option, and they can move on to somebody next year. But, Chris, give me your initial reaction to this trade. You've been already shaking your head Mm. a little bit. So how how are you feeling when this news dropped? Well, I mean, I looked at like the details that went into the trade and I was like oh my god Panthers just stole this trade I mean yeah. they gave up almost nothing they they kept their eighth pick mm-hmm. they got a quarterback who's younger than Joe Burrow keep that in mind mm-hmm. and he's got more experience and he's played on a terrible team his entire entire career there and he has as far as I know no really bad injuries so he's mm-hmm. pretty much a fully healthy <laughs> ready to rock quarterback for, he was a what a third overall pick in like 2017 or 2018? Was uh, he second or third? He was one of the two, but I was thinking about the time he got herpes or something and couldn't play in a game because of that. He got mono. mono. Same. That's <laughs> not similar. Yeah, it was, it's not the same thing. It was close enough. <laughs> but, was, uh, that was funny. Let's yeah. see, when was he drafted? He was uh, the team. He was third overall in the 2018 draft. That would have been the same, uh, the Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so I mean, I mean, they just they stole it. So they get their they get a quarterback, a young quarterback, and they can get some talent at number eight. Mm-hmm. 
and just load their team up. Yeah, they didn't even have to give up a first-round pick for Darnold. No. So they still have it at number eight this year. Yeah, and he's super t- – like I heard, uh, I think Kuyper said it, but he said if D- Darnold was in this draft this year, he'd be the number two quarterback off the board. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you just basically got the, the so, number So he'd two be ahead of Justin Fields. Yeah. How do you Crazy. feel about you know, you, know, you don't like that one, Chris? Or? I mean, they, everyone has their, okay, this guy's prototypical NFL quarterback. He's going to succeed and all that. But, I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like that uh, – J.C. Horn guy, he was saying that, you know, you got to still go out there and play ball. Yeah. You know, whether you're the fifth-round pick like Tom Brady, you know, or, or the first pick of the draft, you got to go out there and you got to do the best you can to be successful. So, I mean, it doesn't matter where you get picked um, or what kind of stats you have or what kind of frame you have. You know, you just you got to go out there and do the best you can. I mean, mm-hmm. you got guys like Russell Wilson, 5'11", undersized, and they succeed. And then you got the Peyton Manning's of the world, who's perfect frame, perfect everything, and he was a Hall of Famer. So mm-hmm. it's just it could go both ways with everything, but I think uh, yeah, where where are we at? We're with Darnold at the Panthers. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you, um, you were you were thinking somewhere along the lines of uh, you know the Jets were were you you were set that the Jets were not gonna pick a quarterback in the honestly draft. because I mean they they set up their. Their season tickets with Darnold on the cover. You know, you think you yeah, that was kind of okay. that was kind of sus. Yeah, yeah, with that with that in the air, you would think, all right, let's put somebody else up there. But no, they put Darnold. So I was thinking, all right, they must know something. But I guess not. I, I mean, if it, it were me, I would have kept Darnold because he's not had talent around him since he's been there. He's had a terrible head coach, mm-hmm. and he's they didn't get value for what he was worth. No, no, and not really. You put yourself in, behind the eight ball again. You're getting. You're basically drafting Sam Darnold at number two again. And well, this guy's played against less competition than Darnold did in college, so I, mean, if, I don't really know if they yeah. pick Wilson. Nah, they're going to pick Wilson. They've, so I think, they've literally that. come out and said, "I'm pretty sure I saw something yesterday." Like, like the Jets ownership have come out to like Wilson's family and said, "Like, we're taking him." I'm pretty sure they did that. I'm, I can, I can find a source on it, but I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm and for Justin Fields' sake, I hope that's. I what hope happens. so too. Let's I really see. do. I'm just saying, like, don't, I told him, you know, don't psych yourself out, and they pick him, and you're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, most of it comes down, you know, Zach Wilson as an improvement over Sam Darnold. We don't know. We don't know how good of a improvement and how NFL caliber of a quarterback he's going to be when you, you know, because you can look the part in college, but as soon as you get to the NFL, we've seen it time and time again. You fall apart. Josh Rosen was a huge talent coming out of college. And we saw how he fell apart in both Miami and uh, Arizona, with Arizona literally picking Kyler Murray first overall the year after they went first round to first round or first overall, first overall to first overall pick two straight quarterbacks. So we saw how stuff like that falls apart. I think the main issue here, or the main reasoning they did this for the Jets, it's it is that speculation. We don't know how good Zach Wilson is going to be, but we know how good Sam Darnold is, and they know, you know, Sam Darnold has the potential to be a pretty decent quarterback in this league. I don't think he has like amazing potential, but he can be a middle of the pack guy that can maybe get you some wins in a year, maybe get a playoff appearance once every now and then. Who knows? But Zach Wilson could have that, or he could also have a Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson potential. They don't know. You know, we've seen the undervalued guys do phenomenally in the NFL, and vice versa. You you don't know with the college quarterbacks. So I feel like that's the gamble the Jets were going to go off of, and you know they decided to do that rather than keep Darnold and try and build some talent around him because they haven't really been able to do that in the last couple years. Granted, they now have Robert Sala from the 49ers as their head coach, but 
he's a defensive guy, so who knows how many offensive weapons they're really going to try. Right. I mean, they're. I mean, besides like what, like Jamison Crowder, they have nobody on offense that no, I can even know. even name. They Frank lost. Frank Gore is there, but he's like forty four. Yeah, yeah he, he's old. he's always dirt. That Le'Veon Bell left to uh, the Chiefs to be a backup there. Do they still have Rashad Perryman? Um, yeah, I think you're right. Do they? I thought he might have gone to uh, Detroit. Unless he got traded no this offseason. Um, I have no idea. Let's see. British I just know he was there at one point. I have no idea if he's still there. He is now on – he is on the Lions right now. Look, yeah. at, look at you go. So, uh, yeah, he must have got traded this offseason. So, yeah, I think Lily Jamison Carter's our only decent offensive weapon. I couldn't even tell you who and the, I the running back is. I wouldn't even call him decent. No. Bilo Powell or he's like, something like that. Crowder's like a probably a wide receiver three. On a good team, yeah, you know, and he was like number two, number three. Than that. He was like number two, number three for Washington before they got uh, Terry McLaurin. Yeah, so that that tells you where he's at. So I think you know, for the benefit of Sam Darnold, he's very happy he went to Carolina. Oh yeah, and, a lot more offensive weapons. That's for dang yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying. I mean, first off, I really wanted Deshaun Watson to come to Carolina. I thought that was a match made in heaven. But from the stuff that's coming out continuously now about Deshaun Watson, I don't know if he's even playing in the league next year. So. Carolina was probably like, let's cut our losses, let's get Darnold. They didn't. They were questionable about what's going to happen in the draft when it comes for a quarterback for Carolina because they were at number eight. They have a kind I of. I think weird it's spot. a better better odds to have a better season, you know, yeah. now and maybe in the next few years than if you picked Trey Lance or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even the speculation like for Carolina to even get the quarterback they want. A lot of people have been saying, you know, Trey Lance was their guy, but you already have the, the top three picked out for quarterback you know mm-hmm. there's no really option of justin fields falling to number eight or number 10 because he's going to get swooped up number three most likely by the 49ers and then you have really trey lance and mac jones is the only other first round caliber quarterbacks left and you know you could have a team like the falcons potentially at number four take you know trey lance as like a future a future build behind matt ryan you have someone like the patriots trade up to get mac jones maybe and the carolina panthers weren't really in a position to trade up they didn't really have a ton of assets to to spend yeah. That's why they got really lucky with the Sam Darnold trade to get to spend only a, a fourth, a second, fourth, and a sixth round pick, and not a first rounder. So I think I think it was a smart move by the Panthers. You know, they get their best option, and like we said with Deshaun Watson, there's tons of weapons in Carolina. A really young and hungry defense. They got Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I mean, I think I think they're really set with Darnold. I think this draft should be good for them because a lot of their picks from the uh pit or pickups from the offseason were defensive minded too so they might not mm-hmm. have to go you know they can kind of balance it out this year in the draft instead of last year they just picked up mm-hmm. all defensive people so yeah. they can get some assets for both sides yeah i'll tell you they'll be licking their chops if uh pits falls to eight yeah that would be like the just perfect perfect scenario for them I pits mean. pits right now is probably the most controversial player of like where they're going to get picked mm-hmm. like he could go anywhere from four to 12 like we don't know and that doesn't that's not a huge gap of only eight teams but there's a ton of teams in there for that, that high up in the draft it's a big deal yeah it's interesting with pits because you know a tight end's not usually a spot where you're like we really need this player you a lot of teams get by with not really a star tight end i mean the stars you really only have kelsey and kittle and then there's a huge drop off and you have like all the decent guys like you know tyler higby jack doyle um the guy from uh gronk <laughs> gronk's out of his young i love it what's the guy what's the guy from uh from las vegas What's his name? Darren Waller. Uh, Darren Waller. Yeah. Like he's a little, he's a little closer to that he's top tier. Good. But for besides maybe like five or six teams, there's not really that many decent tight ends out there. So teams don't really prioritize it too much. But it seems like with all these teams in the top ten that aren't the quarterback guys, Kyle Pitts is a crazy pick. Like the Cowboys could take him. We don't need a tight end. The <laughs> Falcons could take him. They don't really need a tight end. But you know they could always add him. So it's that generational talent stuff. But you know we'll get into that. We'll get yeah. into that a little bit later too. But 
as for as for Sam Darnold going up here, this you know, and that, I mean, I'll, let's put it this way: like Teddy Bridgewater, they've had some beef with Carolina earlier in the year. Originally signed him to a three-year contract, I think last season they get him there out of the Saints. And I uh, started last year. What the Panthers were somewhat hot. Christian McCaffrey went down, and then they flunked out. They went like what, like six and ten or something. Uh, I think that sounds something, right. Something not too, not too great. But and then they had a little bit of drama with Teddy Bridgewater earlier this offseason, saying they weren't really sure if they're going to bring him back. And Teddy Bridgewater wasn't happy, so now they're bringing Sam Darnold, presumptive starter over Teddy Bridgewater if they don't get rid of him. So, I mean. You know, Sam Darnold's a great quarterback, and people all, I mean, he's been really impacted by the Jets, and we all think he has better potential than what the Jets provided him. But how much of an upgrade do we really think he is over Teddy Bridgewater, like in the grand scheme of things? I like, think like, what are his expect? like, what are yeah. Darnold's expectations this season? I would say, I think they're expecting a really good year this year. They got the talent, they got the quarterback, and mm-hmm. they got the coaches that they want. Joe Brady has uh, Darnold at his expense with a lot of weapons around him. And they got the defense really where they want it to be last year. You know, everyone was playing well together, and they got a, a good full year of experience uh, playing together as a team for the defense. And mm-hmm. uh, I honestly think they're expecting a good season. I mean, Darnold, I think everyone, that, all that question of is Darnold a good quarterback is going to be answered this year because now he finally has the coaching and the talent around him. So we're going to – this is kind of like a you know a big year for Darnold, and he's got to go out there and prove himself. Like he is a good quarterback, and if you put him in the right system with the right players, he can do – what he came here to do you know yeah i'd say it's a substantial uptick in production for both him and the panthers i think the panthers will probably end up finishing second in the division behind the buccaneers mm-hmm. is what i would predict as of right now that'd be a very ideal season for them i think yeah yeah which would be probably more than likely vying for a wild card spot and uh you know I would expect sam darnold definitely to showcase his talent more i mean like we said jameson crowder you know, he's not DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson, mm-hmm. and he's had uh, time with Robbie Anderson before, so hopefully they'll get to rekindle that bond and hopefully put up some good stats together. And then, you know, Christian McCaffrey's very versatile coming out of the backfield, and, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what they pick early on in the draft. That could be another asset for Sam Darnold. Yeah. I, interesting, I'm reading right now, you know, Darnold, Darnold and Bridgewater, they're both very comparable quarterbacks, right? And they're both still on the team, technically. Teddy Bridgewater taking up a $22.9 million salary cap hit this season if he, uh, if he stays on the team. It, can apparently, it, it apparently can be reduced to $7.9 million if they cut him after June 1st, so once the offseason's kind of over and we start mini camps and stuff. So we'll see what they do there. But, um, you know, the Panthers' ownership, they've said that they're both starting caliber quarterbacks, and that's ultimately going to be Matt Rule's decision on who starts. So... I guess there's technically a quarterback competition in here. I'm convinced Darnold's going to win it out, but you never know what can happen. Maybe maybe Darnold craps the bed and Bridgewater stays, or it's just a a situation like the Bears last year where they switch halfway through the season because one's hot and one's not. I'm pretty sure is Teddy. I think Teddy was asking for like to talk to other teams about getting traded. He was asking, yeah. but yeah, they had. I can't remember the exact details. It was really early on in free agency, but they I had can't some beef. see Teddy like you know doing crazy things anywhere though where he's taking teams to play off on no. his back i can i think a backup quarterback and a competitive division in football would be good for him and, yeah you know as of right now that's what he'd be doing and he'd be making decent enough money and living a good enough life to where he should be happy but you know they're all competitive at heart and really want to showcase their talent but after this year i don't know if he's going to be able to get that chance again i tell you a good team to pick him up would be chicago i know they got dalton but i feel like that would just he's not like a solid quarterback option so it could be like a okay 
you know, he's our he's our other guy. I don't. I, I feel like if Chicago that's not smart for Chicago, no, though, if Chicago their fan base will react to that exactly. Now, if Chicago signs, if Chica- can you really trust Andy Dalton? I mean, if he goes down week two, well, can you really you trust? Do? Trubisky, Nick well, Foles, I mean, Bridgewater—they're all the same kind of caliber. No, yeah. I mean no. Bridgewater, something Bridgewater's done. He went when he played and filled in for Brees. He went five and zero. Yeah, he took the Vikings to the playoffs, mm-hmm. and he got screwed because his kicker missed the field goal. Correct? Yes. And then he that got his—he got the ACL injury that took him out for a couple of years, and then he just had what fifth hmm. in the league in yards and completion percentage. Uh, I have no idea, but I'll, I'll trust you on that one. Yeah, I mean. It's like he's not a bad quarterback where he goes. I mean, if you think about it, he had there's a couple injuries this year. McCaffrey went out. They had a young defense, a brand new head coach. I mean, you can't put this on Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, there's a lot of uh, elements that go into it, and I still I think he's a great game manager, almost kind of like an Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. You just got to put him in. You know, if you give him the right system, let let him do his thing. I think you'll be fine. I mean, yeah, he was good in New Orleans. I think most of that's you know the system New Orleans has with right. Sean Payton. You have a phenomenal coach in Sean exactly. Payton, and and that team was like thirteen and three that year. They made the playoffs. They I think that was the Rams year when they about went to the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. So you know, or what's that? I don't know. That might have been the uh, the Minneapolis miracle year. I can't remember which one it was, right. but you know, Bridgewater. I, like like Liam said, I feel like Chicago shouldn't get him because I mean maybe it's a smart decision in some points, but Chicago. Bears fans will literally burn the city down if they sign another quarterback within the 14 to 20th best quarterback in the in the league range. Yeah, they're getting tired. They already shipped Trubisky out. They still got Foles and Dalton and Bridgewater. In my in my head, and Liam, you said this. They're all the same kind of. They're literally all the same kind of quarterback. They can get you some. They can get you maybe a couple wins a I season, give, give, ideally for them. But I give Bridgewater the slight edge. Yeah, I mean Foles was good. I would put, give Foles the edge if it was you know six seven years ago. Foles had his one great run with the Eagles, yeah. and then he's just been—he's getting—he's just getting money from random teams. Yeah, he's I pulling mean, like a Brock yeah. Osweiler at this point. He's, I mean, he's getting older. You know, it's not—it's not easy to keep your reign going when you're getting older, especially if mm-hmm. you're not like a stud quarterback. But and then Dalton—I mean, he had—he had a couple good seasons with the Bengals, but I mean, from what I saw last year with the the Cowboys, he, he was, was not just, good. For, no, he, he was, was a good—he's—I right. mean, Dalton—he's a good backup to have. He'll get you some games. The Cowboys, you know, he was bad for the Cowboys initially because mostly our defense was god-awful. But towards the end of the season, Dalton really came into his own. He was playing a little bit better. But I feel like Dalton and Bridgewater, those are those guys. Like, that's your ideal situation at this point in your career. you got to be the backup, preferably on a decent team, where if you have to go in, you have the assets around you to win. You know, you go to someone like New Orleans, like Bridgewater was in. Or if you're Dalton, somehow find a way to get to a decent franchise. Not even like a winning one. You don't have to go to the Chiefs or anything. But somewhere like Pittsburgh or something, where if you somehow have to start, the coaching staff and the assets they have are decent enough to where you're not going to look like a crap show the entire time. Yeah, That's what I'd say they have to do. What would be the best team for him? For Dalton? Mm-hmm. No. Bridgewater. Bridgewater. If he wanted to get traded somewhere. Um, I mean, if he wanted to get traded somewhere, I mean, like I just said, the Steelers would probably be a pretty good option. You you could, I mean, you learn behind Big Ben, possibly. They have Ben, Dwayne, and Rudolph. Oh, they do have Dwayne. You're right. Mm-hmm. See, but Dwayne and Ted Bridgewater are still similar in my head. Yeah. Bridgewater's better, but okay, you're right. I forgot about Dwayne Haskins there. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, Bridgewater. Baltimore. Baltimore. Behind uh, mentor uh, Lamar. Oh, who's their, their backups that... Uh, McSorley, right? Yeah, Chase McSorley. You can't replace Chase McSorley. He's on Tyler Hennecke level, isn't he? <laughs> no. No, he's not. not t- he's both t- of them he's are the same player. He's a big TikTok player. guy. Not about that life. <laughs> not about the TikTok meme life? No. So was uh, who, the Cowboys guy. Ben DiNucci was a TikTok meme for a couple weeks there at some point. Mm. I mean, Juju stayed a TikTok meme up there in Pittsburgh, dog. It's the ultimate demise to him. But I don't, I don't know where Bridgewater would go, you know. 
You can maybe back up Russell in Seattle if he really wanted to. You know, Seattle needs some kind of maybe backup. Maybe Vegas player. or something. Vegas would probably be, you know, I don't know who the backup is behind Carr, but that'd be a decent spot too. Philly is having major problems. I mean, maybe I mean heck, go a- back to New Orleans maybe. You know, they don't really have a super solid total option. They have Winston, James Winston and uh, Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill, so which they're kind of iffy on who's going to totally start thing. next year. That's why I was thinking Chicago is because they have like a suspect quarterback who's about to start. Yeah, like, but two suspect like, quarterbacks. Who can well, start. Yeah. like we've been saying this whole offseason, there's teams that are that have quarterbacks now already that they're not going to like after this year. And then there's court teams that are getting quarterbacks this year that they're not going to like after next, uh, year. next year. And it's going to kind of be a similar situation in my eyes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like we, I hope let's send them, Let's send them much. to Houston. Oh, I mean, I mean, the way this is Sean Watson stuff's falling, you might need a starter there. Who I, they got? They got a. They, uh, they got. They have Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor and AJ McCarron. I think are the two oh guys God. behind. Word. I think those are the two guys Get behind here, Deshaun AJ. Watson. I did hear that Jacksonville is a possibility for where Teddy Bridgewater could end up. Well, no, I, that doesn't mean we're not taking Lawrence still. That just mean it means we have a backup. But we did yeah. sign Beathard. Would you want to be a backup to a rookie though? I feel like that's demoralizing. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know think, if that's me. I but... don't think there's a chance he comes to Jacksonville. But I saw it on like the list of teams where it it was possible he could go. Yeah, and I was just like, oh my god, that's like I being a that, junior backing up a J, backing up a freshman on JV football or something. Like yeah. that's just I don't know. I don't know. That's up to that's up to Bridgewater. But yeah. I think. Well, I don't even know what I think. We'll take Bridgewater. How did we get? We, we were talking about Darnold, and we somehow got to. Uh, well, I mean, it's, I, I guess it's, it's Carolina. A, it's Carolina. I yeah. guess yeah, it's a decent transition. Yeah. But uh, Darnold, I mean, Darnold going to Carolina. Well, I'll give him. I think it's going to be a successful year. As as for how the expectations for Carolina coming up, we'll give him the weird nine and eight, eight and nine season. Maybe. I mean, that could be good enough for a playoff in the NFC. It looks like maybe I'm ten, going ten, ten and six. That would be my. You can't go. You can't go ten and and seven. My my condolences. You can't go ten and six anymore. Sorry. So you were saying projections for their. Yeah, like how well do we think the Carolina Panthers are are gonna? This is assuming Christian McCaffrey stays uninjured because he's been having that issue a couple of the last years. Ruined my fantasy league last year. My fantasy team. I'll say. I'll say they do even better. I'll, I'll say eleven and six. Eleven and six, wow, ten wow. and seven, and I'm going. I'll I'll pick. I'll pick eight and nine. Yeah, so you're I'll going go the, the under. I'll go. I'll go under five hundred, just barely though. I don't know what the new eight and eight is, but it's either eight and nine or nine and eight. But I don't know which one's closer. Well, we said how they could still finish uh, eight and eight and one five hundred. Yeah, with that tie. <laughs> eight and eight and one, crowd. the ultimate mediocre team. Yep. We'll we'll wait and see. But guys. We'll go into a quick break. When we get back, we got some draft talk. Chris has a mock draft we're going to review, so stay tuned for a lot of that. If you're not listening to our podcast, please, please listen to them. You know, if you're not able to catch our mock draft coming up and you want to catch it, you can follow us on our podcasting network. We're on Spotify, Google Play Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and everywhere else where you listen. Just look up Off the Bench, look for our green, gray, white logo, and we are there with all our episodes from this season and last season. And if you somehow can't find it, just go to our social media at Off the Bench XLR. Click the link in the bio, and all of our links are right there. But anyway, guys, stay tuned after this one song. We'll get into some NFL draft talk. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Some uh, some talk on Teddy Bridgewater where he's going to go in the same Darnold trade as well, but 
You know, we got the NFL draft coming up. We're sadly going to miss it. Our show is going to be ending before the draft comes up in May. But we can always do our speculation and stuff. And we'll, we'll probably, I'll still make some posts on, you know, some of the draft stuff. We'll still cover it. We just won't be on the podcast most likely unless I can find some way we can do it online. But we'll figure it out. But NFL draft talk. The only real news that came out this week so far is that the Atlanta Falcons now at number the number four overall pick after the 49ers trade and after the Sam Darnold trade, it's now pretty obvious that the first three picks are going to be quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence. The Jets most likely going with Zach Wilson. And the 49ers looking to be in favor of Justin Fields third overall. Chris, I think you're pretty happy about that oh, one, yeah. I'd say. Oh, yeah. Much I, better than going to New York. Oh, way better. I mean, I'm hoping, I'm praying to God that the Jets do not pick him and that the 49ers will pick him. I mean, Justin Fields has to be happy with that because that's probably the best situation. I mean, one of the best situations you can get in as a rookie quarterback. You get into a solid offense, I mean, and with a team that really shouldn't be picking third overall. I mean, they got they put up tons of draft capital to move up. Mm-hmm. So Justin Fields is very, uh, very lucky he's going to get this opportunity if it somehow, if the cards fall that way. If somehow the Jets uh, surprise everybody and get Justin Fields, I'll say that's actually, if they'd somehow do that, I'd say that's pretty rude to Zach Wilson because they've been making it pretty obvious that they want Zach Wilson. So maybe, maybe they'll switch up, but. Either way, number four currently belongs to the Atlanta Falcons, and according to Adam Scheffner this week, teams are teams have been locked in to the first three overall picks, like I said, and the Falcons have now been receiving, quote, multiple trade calls from teams who are, quote, open to moving up to number four, and the Falcons are also open, open to moving out of the four spot. So with the Atlanta Falcons sitting at number four, who is going to, who, who, who are we thinking is going to jump up there at number four, and who are they going to draft? I think that the Patriots are an option because they're in in desperation mode because Mm -hmm. all the stuff I've been hearing recently is that Bill Belichick has been the main reason they've been drafting so poorly here recently. I've heard that the Patriots scouts wanted either A.J. Brown or another good receiver that went, I don't know his name, but I know A.J. Brown was was one of them. Was it DK that year? It wasn't DK. It was... It was AJ and somebody else, but I can't remember. He chose Nikhil Harry. Yeah, it was yeah, Belichick yeah, yeah. who made I the move. To the, then the Kill Harry pick was kind of dumb. Yeah, but. so that's the thing. Like the scouts to- chose like really good receivers, but uh, oh, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, ah. those were the two they wanted, and he chose Nikhil Harry. I'll say both of those are much better options than Nikhil Harry. Nikhil mm-hmm. Harry was a pretty big first round bust. Yeah, and uh, they're so I think Belichick has to redeem himself and maybe a trade up here. To get, you know, maybe a Trey Lance or, I don't know, Mac Jones who can fit in his system a little bit better is what they have to do. Or maybe they just say, hey, we're going to go for Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or somebody like that. I mean, they technically still have Cam. Yep. Stidham. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not high on either one of There's those. There's another even team though, for Bridgewater. Even though they both <laughs> went get back on the train. Yeah. Even though they both went to Auburn, I'm not high on either one of those uh, guys right now. But hey, yeah. maybe Cam's got something to prove. Give him some talent. I don't know. We'll uh, see. But uh, but no, I think the teams that I could the team that I could see moving up to four would really just be the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see any other teams unless some teams just get desperate and really want something out of it. Uh, Maybe there's usually one really bad big decision made as soon as the draft starts that you 
never to expect, and you know that's probably what we're going to see go up the four. I believe it's yeah. been a pretty hectic uh, off season so far. So yeah. I could so, see yeah. it. Vegas with the guys that they got there, they could do something crazy. I mean, you got freaking Gruden mm-hmm. and Mike Mayock, who's a former draft analyst or dra- draft genius. So. I was thinking Washington, maybe they could as well. My thought process though is um, mostly. I mean, we saw the draft capital that had to be given up for the 49ers move number three. Granted, they were they were coming from the mid-teens picks, and they fell all the way to three. So, they, you know, you have to give up a couple first-round picks and all the stuff they gave up. But for a team moving up to number four, they're going to have to give up, you know, at least they're going to have to trade first-round picks and then probably another first-round or a couple second rounds or something, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a decent draft capital. So if a team moving up, especially if you're further out moving up, because the further away, the more you have to give up. Because, like, Say the Bengals won the fourth pick and they're number five right now. They wanted the fourth pick to like guarantee they get Pinay Sewell or something like that. They could just switch the four and five with Atlanta, throw in a third, and that's probably all they really need to do it. So, I mean, you know, so oh, Chris is nodding his head. What did you just think of? I just thought of a situation. The Panthers still have the eighth pick. They do still have the eighth pick. I mean, they could feel like, all right, we got to guarantee that we're going to get talent. Mm-hmm. So maybe they say, here, we'll give you, we'll give Atlanta Bridgewater, and then their their pick. And then a couple other picks, maybe for the next, I don't know, two years, second round, two seconds, maybe a second and a third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get that pick. And then, you know, they go with Pitts, Devontae, Jamar, anybody for Darnold to have as a weapon. Yeah. Because they, they probably want to guarantee it, you know. Maybe if they get a little paranoid, they're like, all right, we got to guarantee that we're going to get one of these guys. Maybe they want to go for an elite receiver or any yeah. of that matter. They're sitting at number eight right now. They're going to get either Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, or Devontae Smith. I'm, I, yeah. All three of those guys are not going to be taken ahead of them there is i mean there's a chance there's, I mean, there's always a chance if, but yeah. if pitts goes at four i i have a feeling joe burrow is making a case for jamar to go at five mm-hmm. so if jamar if, if that's best case scenario for burrow he's going jamar goes at five then i have a feeling that it's either, it's down between waddle and smith for who's going to go you're either the panthers are going to get waddle or smith yeah i don't think they have to move up necessarily if they're going to get a receiver there's tons of great receivers really early on top heavy in this draft so yeah I think I mean they'll get Chase Waddle or Smith or I mean, even get, Kyle Pitts. They somehow. could get Sewell though. I mean, to get yeah. Sewell could definitely more, fall too. Yeah, stuff yeah. on the offensive or line. Slater because I heard Rashawn Slater is a really good option as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's been proving himself here recently. So it, I don't know. It, they have a know. great. I mean, it's probably better for them to stay at eight so they can like like you know see what's going on in front of them. Right. You know? So maybe they okay. There, yeah. There's probably two or three teams in front of them that are going to be making chaotic right. picks anyway. So they could like take their time. Okay, you know, do we need you know a guy to pass protect or do we need you know a receiver? And they can see okay, is Waddle worth not getting Slater or Sewell? You know, you just gotta or Smith. You know, you just gotta decide. Then if if I was Cincy, I would definitely I, I'd be going Penny Sewell. But you might have to trade. I don't know how much Atlanta's going to be wanting to take an O lineman. They just—I really don't know what Atlanta's priorities are. I mean, you, they could get Kyle Pitts, or you know, if they decide to keep number four, they could keep Kyle Pitts, or they could draft defensive help. They don't really need a receiver, but you know, you know, you could pull the Cowboys and just completely top-heavy your team on the receiver side and just have an absolute not un- the worst absolute thing ever unit. Could you imagine Devontae, Julio, and Calvin Ridley in the same receiving core? I'd say if they were at number four and they picked receiver, I think I feel like Jamar Chase is the top guy in this in this class. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I mean. I mean, Julio, Ridley. I mean, Ridley was outperforming Julio last year, and we all know how good Julio is. Granted, he had foot issues like the whole season, which he seems to have every year. Yeah. But they'll have that whole situation figured out. I mean, also, what do we think of, like, you know, the Lions or the Broncos moving up number four? Those are two desperate teams that could both do something rash. I mean, 
I don't even know who what the Lions could give up. The Lions, yeah, the Lions can't give up anything. They'll, they'd have to give up just. They need under. to hold. They need to hold on what they yeah. can because yeah. they got to just rebuild. I mean, they got Goff. That's it, and mm-hmm. he's not you know the greatest asset yeah. in the world to have. They got they bring in Goff and then they ship off their top two receivers. Yeah. yeah <laughs> what did like, they What did they get in compensation for Stafford though? Didn't they get a couple? What they get? I don't know, man. They it get a, wasn't good. I don't. I, think it wasn't it was pretty anything, bad. Was it? I don't think it was anything this year, right? It was no. next year. I think the Rams yeah. definitely won that trade. No, they won the trade for sure. But, for sure. Let's uh, see what did they get. I'm gonna check off the bench. It's the quickest thing I can check. Yeah. I mean, anyhow, like, but the Broncos, they they still got Drew Locke. Like, no one's digging him. Uh yeah. They'll. I think Lions will probably go receiver as well. Yeah, I'm. That's what I'm saying. Uh, like, so, someone's gonna move up before. I mean, in, in the mock draft here. It's got Pitts, Chase, and Devontae all gone before seven. Exactly. So they're left with Waddle. Yeah. I'll say, he's a kind of a toss up because of his injury. To drop back, um, the Lions they have they got Jared Goff a first round pick in, for twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three and a third round pick this year. So they have two extra first round picks they could possibly use, but I don't think there's a guy that's gonna super benefit their team like chain like, you know, a a franchise changer they can get number four. If I was a Lions fan, I would prepare myself to be bad this year. Mm-hmm. Get someone decent at that seven pick. You yeah. know, if you move up the four, get someone good. And then hold on to your stuff for next year. Because you're, you're probably going to get a really good pick for next yeah, year. Yeah, you'll probably be a top ten pick again next yeah. year. Yeah. And so, you know, and you have those extra ones in the pocket already. You might be able to turn things around starting in 2022. Yeah, this is a long-term kind of decision. It's yeah. not, let's not, they shouldn't be thinking let's succeed now. They should be thinking, all right, let's do what we can now. Limit, you know, limit the, the damage down the, down the line. You know, mm-hmm. give us some some talent to build around on the offensive side of the ball and uh give golf some some talent and then you know build up for for next year you know you're gonna like William said get another top 10 pick and then you have all those picks and hopefully you get the the right players to fall to i keep opening mock drafts just to see what other people are thinking and i've seen two straight from cbs and nfl.com about who the lines would take and they both say they're taking justin fields at seven because mac jones is gonna be taking number three what are we doing I would hope Jiminy that's not the case. That, that just must be you're you're doing a little crazy stuff for a headline to get yeah. a to get a to get a click. I, I can't see Justin Fields not going number three. Overall. Did y'all see that there was an NFL? I think it was a scout. I don't know or a team. Yeah, yeah I think it was a team. What's the top? They shows? had Fields graded out as a fifth round talent. People are just. Uh, I don't know. I know like his underneath throwing isn't like the best ability, but his deep throwing is very good. He was the most accurate passer last year in all of college football. A very funny thing I saw, which I think, I don't know how much of an argument this could be, but back to the Super Bowl 53? Was that last year? Or we were 54 this year. I don't even know. Man. <laughs> 49ers Chiefs two years stop ago. stop using those freaking Roman numerals <laughs> and we might know. 49ers Chiefs two years ago, last year's Super Bowl, right? Um 49ers had the ball with about a minute and a half left to win the game. They could make it on a drive. It was on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders. Remember, he had that deep ball to Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders was open by about a yard. And he overthrew him. And he overthrew him by about eight yards. Right? And you could see Kyle Shanahan being like, oh, dang, like, he missed that shot. If he hit that shot, they're taking the lead by at least four points or whatever the score was at the time. And they're going on to try to, you know, they put their defense on the field, stop. Patrick Mahomes one more time. You get Super Bowl victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have six now and whatever, right? He missed that throw. 
And so I saw this big argument like, you know, Kyle Shanahan's still thinking about that apparently. Yeah. And he wants a quarterback that's going to hit that throw nine times out of ten. Because, you know, Mahomes can hit that throw. Josh Allen can hit that throw. And what do we what do we see? What's one of the best qualities of Justin Fields? He throws the deep ball better than pretty much anybody. He, he did it like eight times against Clemson in the national semifinal. <laughs> Which is great to see. On yeah. broken ribs is at that. Yeah, I mean, you see that it was the one deep pass, which everyone replays, the one to Alave in the second half against Clemson. Perfect ball. Pretty much the same situation that Emmanuel Sanders' throw was to. Justin Fields hits it, and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't. So that's a big thought. Yeah, which, you, you need that like, guy with a little bit of swagger to him. Yeah. What if the Jets are psyching out the 49ers? <laughs> what if they're psyching out the organization? Oh like making God. them think they're taking Zach Wilson when they'll really take Justin Fields? That would be savage. And so then they take Justin Fields, then all of a sudden you're the 49ers panicking like, oh, who are we taking? <laughs> who's, who's our second quarterback? <laughs> Trey Lance? Mac Jones? I don't know. Kyle Trask. <laughs> third pick. They, the they, they, they panic. Or, uh, or they just, Kellen Mond. Or Kellen they, pull Mond. A, they pull a Vikings and don't get their pick in in time and then just waste their pick. <laughs> they just imagine? completely like, it's like uh, 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 Pene Sewell. They just draft like yeah. the, like someone that's not whoever really the good. top guy on the board is. Who's the top guy? Number th- who's I mean, yeah, I mean the top guy, number three t- overall player would probably be like a Pene Sewell. <laughs> it's or, like auto drafted fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if they miss a pick? Do you auto draft it or no, you, you just don't pick, get it? Yeah. That's interesting. Well, oh, I guess you, I guess you can't really auto draft. You know the Vikings life. did it two years in a row, right? Yeah, I know. I've heard about that. I just twice. didn't know what happened to it. Like they did it, but it's so stupid. Was it like what? What were those picks when they did it? Was it like a six round or something? Or it, it couldn't have been something high because like every part of me wants to believe it was like either first or second round. Jimmy Christ. Vikings miss. Maybe it was late. I don't know. I just draft know that they... pick. 20, 2003. Chris, this is a long time ago. Yeah. Right? yeah. By taking a pass, the Vikings delayed their choice, but permitted to then make it at any ensuing time. Let's see. I think. But in frenzied good. flurry in the minutes immediately following the the Minnesota move, Jacksonville. Picked some random guy, Brian Leftwich. Yeah, someone terrible. Um, <laughs> we we have a history of drafting just awful. I mean, it's why we've been so. So bad. the Vikings missed it in 2011, and they also missed it in 20. We're so, so bad. In 20 in 2003, a communication issue caused the Minnesota Vikings to miss their seventh overall selection. Wait, that's first round, right? Yeah, yeah, seventh, seventh overall. overall. Could you imagine that? I thought you said seventh round. No. I, I I read it first at seventh round. I was like, oh, that's not that big a deal. You missed on a punter or something. But yeah. then it's like, oh, seventh overall. And then they that's do it the a, year after. The year after. I that's, think so. That's a Bijou Swanson move that I've ever <laughs> if seen. If Matthew it. was the GM, that's exactly what Man. we would say. We, oh. Well, let's get into Helix. this. Let's get into this, guys. We've beat the Falcons horse to death on who they'll take. But Chris, we got a, you got a mock draft for us. I'm ready. So uh, go ahead, list it out. Let's get. Uh, how far does it go? Is it top ten, top thirty yeah, two? We'll, we'll just do ten. Top 10? You know, yeah, let's finish on the Cowboys. It's a nice, nice rounding spot. Okay. If, you, if you got like an 11, 12, 13 that yeah, you want to throw go, in to change. go to 15 maybe. If it has like reasoning, give us it and uh, give us the whole thing and me and Liam will we'll give our reactions. All right. Number one, uh, Jacksonville stays in Florida and gets Kyle Trask. Like it, like no, it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're going Trevor Lawrence. That's be, the be most obvious. Got to be the, realistic here. That's know. the most obvious pick in this draft for sure. And mm-hmm. two, Jets, I just don't see them picking anybody else but Wilson. I think they're set on him, and they're not changing. Um, 49ers, I'm gonna. It's gonna be like a bracket. I'm gonna hope the best for Ohio State, and I'm gonna say <laughs> they take Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they need a guy who's proven himself in big games, has played solid for two years, and I well, think Shanahan feels like he can work with the, you know, kind of minor issues Fields had in a couple games. Yeah, and uh, 
I think they'll they'll get him straight for sure. Alrighty. Four. Uh, this is where I it gets see, interesting. Yeah, I see Atlanta. They could pick, but I think they might trade out if they can't get Fields. I think the quarterback spot's not worth it enough, mm-hmm. so they're gonna they're gonna trade out and go back. And I think someone else will jump up. Who's jumping up though? You have to have somebody yeah, in that you four gotta spot. Predict. All right, Pats. Patriots, jump Patriots up to four. jumping up to number four. Who and cares what they gave up? They're now in the fourth spot. Okay. They get either Jones or Lance. They're going to get a quarterback. They get a quarterback. Okay. Yeah. Um, number five, Bengals. I think as much as they want O-line, they, mm-hmm. I think Burrow's going to say, listen, I can't succeed without a top-tier receiver, and I need one. I have. Oh, they kind of have Higgins. You know, he's, he's all right, but they, I think they need another piece. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say, you know, Burrow was the most success, successful with Jamar Chase at the helm. So I'm going to say they go with Chase instead of an offensive lineman. All righty. Six, Dolphins. Um, hmm. I have them taking a receiver as well. And Tua has some a really special connection with Waddle and Devontae. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're going to have to pick the Heisman Trophy winner. Devonte Smith at okay. six to the Dolphins. I feel okay. like that's a good, great pick. I'm behind all these picks so far. Seven Lions. They need receiver, and they're going to be like, "All right, let's just go with another Alabama guy," mm-hmm. and they're going to take Jalen Waddle. I think Pitts is going to be a tough one, but they already have Hawkinson, so they don't need tight end. They're going to go with Jalen Waddle at seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Panthers. Oof. Too good to pass up. Kyle Pitts is going to be taking eight to Carolina. Alrighty. And now Darnold has McCaffrey, Pitts, DJ Moore, DJ Robbie Moore Anderson. And Robbie Anderson. They're set. Yeah. They're ready to go. They're ready to rock. Broncos. Ooh. You know, this team's always been built around, well, from my knowledge of watching them, a solid defense. You know, um, I, I want to say they could go corner, mm-hmm. but they could also go quarterback. I don't know how set they are on Drew Locke, but he's still young. So that's why I'm going to say. J.C. Horn goes nine to the mm. the Denver Broncos. I like that one. Mm-hmm. And then Dallas Cowboys. You like this one. That yeah, makes me like this pick a lot. It, it was, let's Chris screws it right here. Dallas uh, Cowboys. Uh, there's just there's just no other thing here. I think Patrick Sertan. Patrick Sertan the second goes to the Dallas Cowboys. I like it. They get their guy. This guy's been really good the past year at Alabama. He showed out, and Dallas wants him, and they're going to get him. Mm-hmm. All righty. All right, we got 11, the Giants. Um, they need ugh. everything. They need a lot. Um, they could go defense. They could get, but I think they like, I don't, they're not going to go for a corner. They're not going to go for Far- Farley, Caleb Farley. So I think, because they got Bradbury, who's played well last year, I think they're going to go with offensive line to give Barkley and Daniel Jones that's what Sa- Saquon's their piece, yeah. and that's yeah. what they need to keep. They're going to go with Rashawn Slater. Yeah, give him all the line. reason for um, Daniel Jones to not complain this exactly. year. This is his. I mean, this is Daniel Jones's. This is his year. You do good, we might keep you for a fourth year option. If you do bad, we're uh, we're going to find somebody else. Adios. And Adios. Then, uh, Eagles. Oof. Eagles are in a tough spot. They're at twelve. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to get a receiver or even a quarterback up there, but. They're obviously too far back to to get anybody. They could be a team that trades up as well if they really want yeah. one of those receivers. But uh, they traded back, I think, for a reason. So, um, mm. 
Ooh. I mean, <laughs> this is tough. Maybe they need... Mm. Maybe they go Farley, Caleb Farley. Okay. To get a corner. Yeah. I don't I don't know that they have any good corners right now. So Not really. They, they have um they have the players. guy from Detroit. They have one good corner. Oh, they got uh, uh what's his name? Oh, it's he's good. Uh it's, the guy from Detroit. Yeah, Slayer? Yeah, Darius Slay. Darius Slay, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe they I mean, they could get a nice two piece for him and get Farley, but they could go with, you know, maybe a receiver, but I just don't see them picking. Yeah. So that's what I got. Maybe maybe even a pass rusher, but that's it. So the Chargers are at 13. Um, they'll probably – who's their quarterback? Herbert? Yeah. They need not. to protect him. So they're going to pick the offensive tackle from USC, Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh-huh. All righty. So that's his protection. Um, I'm scouring my uh, my mock drafts currently too, just seeing – just get some comparisons. Or you know what? Mm. Yeah, they're going to go with the Pac-12 guy, so they're going to take him. And then Vikings are at 14. It says here that they cut Riley Riley Reif, Riley Reef or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's their offensive line guy, so they're going to also go offensive line and replace him with Christian Darisol. Yeah. The tackle out of Virginia Tech. Yeah. 15 was supposed to be the Pats, but now they've traded out with the uh, Falcons. So they're picking at 15. <laughs> I say they go defense. And they get Micah Parsons. I could see that. Yeah, that's um. Micah Parsons has been interesting this draft. I feel like he he's obviously a huge stud linebacker there mm-hmm. from Penn State, and linebacker hasn't really been a position that's been prioritized in this draft. I feel like there hasn't been a ton of talk about it. Obviously, Micah Parsons well, is a phenomenal. Give, talent, he gives but. me that Kyle Van Noy vibe, and that's a guy who they had you know a while ago. Yeah, and they were successful with. Like Vic Beasley, who was an outs he's mm-hmm. not like a linebacker, but was he an outside rusher? He's Vic Beasley? The Patriots? Vic Beasley is a... No, I said he's, they're trading out with the Falcons. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember what it is. I think he's like an outside linebacker. Because right. he had a good, successful season with the Falcons. I think. Yeah. I, I, I think a big surprise of this draft, there's always something. I think that a linebacker is going to go higher, possibly top 10 that we don't really realize. I think Micah Parsons or, you know, someone like from, like Jamin Davis from Kentucky, he's been getting a... He's been really high in the draft boards recently after his pro day i think either of those guys there's going to be a surprise possibly top 10 top 12 of them going probably earlier than we think they're going either the eagles scoop them up or maybe you have someone like the broncos getting a michael parsons or or jamin davis as kind well of that replacement to von miller yeah i think i think there's going to be a surprise in linebacker yeah. i'm pretty sure there hasn't been a ton of talk about it mock drafts don't have them really going any higher than 15 but i think there's definitely going to be moved there right. hayden question for you yeah Best case scenario, worst case scenario for Dallas at number ten. The best case scenario for Dallas, um, it really helped that the Eagles moved out of it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell, I'll start at that because they were they were sitting at number six overall and they moved down to twelve, so now they're after us. So now Dallas holds the top pick in the NFC East, which is a big deal because you don't want your in division rivals getting decent players. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal last year. We got to scoop up CD Lamb before the Eagles, and they got the kid out of uh, what is it, Northwestern? I can't remember his name at this point. Who was the receiver they got last year? Oh. He was picked he, over Jalen Jalen Rager Jalen Rager. Yeah, Rager TCU I think it was, TCU, he was yeah. on TCU not North, the other purple team <laughs> but they drafted him over Je- Justin Jefferson and we and he didn't have any impact last year at all so it's a big deal when we get to draft ahead of the Eagles and, and the Giants and all that so Cowboys in a great spot number ten ahead of the Giants I think 
in my personal opinion, if we get Kyle Pitts or Patrick Sertan, I'll be happy. Ideally, I want Patrick Sertan. I, I, I usually like, I think I said this on the show before, I usually like the idea of drafting best player available. That's why I like the C.D. Lamb pick last year so much better over someone like Xavier McKinney from Alabama mm-hmm. as a safety. So I usually like the best player available situation. Obviously, if you had Sertan and Pitts both available at number 10, Pitts is the best player available. I just, tight end doesn't seem to be as big of an issue as like safety was last year. Safety was a big issue for the Cowboys last year, and even though we passed on McKinney, I was like, ah, it's whatever. We have, um, we have. It doesn't matter. We got, we got C. D. Lamb. I don't care. But tight end. If we got Kyle Pitts, it's going to be improvement over what we have in Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin. But if we don't take it, we'll still be fine. Tight end. It's not a big need. So that's whatever. That's the best case scenario. Either Sertan or Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts generational talent. Sertan will pair him up opposite side of uh, Trayvon Diggs, our current probably best corner on the team with Jordan Lewis as well as our corner number three. If we got Sertan and. Those two guys, you know, they play together in Alabama. We know how good their defense has been. They're bros. They literally, Trayvon Diggs has tweeted about like how excited he'd be if we got Sertan. Like, I think it'd just be a good a good pairing. It's kind of like if you get like when you got like Odell and Jarvis Landry both together in uh in Cleveland. So I think those are our best options. Uh, Chris, you said before or during the show or something like that, our worst option would be us drafting another receiver. If Devontae Smith fell to us and we drafted yeah. him, I'd I'd get pretty mad. <laughs> I don't really want a receiver as well. If we somehow picked up a linebacker, I wouldn't. I would not be happiest guy if we got Micah Parsons or Jamin Smith, Jamin Davis. Not because they're bad. It's just you know we got Jalen Smith. We have Leighton Van Der Esch, who they get really criticized a lot in the Dallas in the Dallas Cowboys organization from the fans. We don't really like them too much. They're kind of off and on, especially Jalen Smith, but they're both solid guys, top half of the league linebackers, in my opinion. And if they can get healthy and just work together, because Leighton Van Der Esch has been hurt the last couple of years, if we can get one solid year between those two guys, it's going to be good. But yeah, if we got Sertan or Pitts, I'll be happy. If we somehow ended up with a receiver or linebacker, I'm not going to be very happy. What if uh, Dallas says, all right, you know, after last season, what happened with their O-line? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want that to happen again, or we need to prepare for the future for our O-line to protect Dak and build, you know, build it up for Zeke? Yes. Would you be upset with, like, a Rashawn Slater pick? No. If we got, I mean, I didn't mention Slater or Sewell because mm-hmm. I honestly don't expect us to get to there. I expect them to be gone either with the Panthers Dolphins or Bengals taking those, or mm-hmm. even the Falcons possibly. I don't expect either of those guys to be available for us at 10. If they do, I'll be happy. I've said this before. I, ideally, I want the Cowboys to pull a Panthers and draft all defense with the exception of maybe O-line depth or if we somehow got a star in Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater in number 10 overall, draft them. But for the Cowboys, I primarily want them to go all defense and all O-line depth. Those are our issues, and offense doesn't need any help at all, but Again, if you get a guy like Kyle Pitts, you might as well take him and just, you know, last year we were, we were just saying, it doesn't matter how bad our defense is, we'll drop 40 burgers on every team. Well, we didn't expect our defense to be as bad as allowing 40 points a game, but if we got Kyle Pitts, we can allow 40 points a game, we'll score 50 points a game, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. But but yeah, I'm open to O-line as well, totally. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that would be good options for you guys. I mean... Uh-huh. You can't go if, if Slater and Sertan's there. You can't go wrong with either of those guys. No, I, I I've said this before. I like the Cowboys draft spot a lot. I think number ten is a very good spot. We don't have to really. If we were a little higher, it'd be better. Obviously, you can get. Well, them. you're not stressing for key positions. Yeah, which is a luxury to have that high of draft pick. You know, mm-hmm. and you're not in that position as an organization. So, like Chris said, Slater or Sertan, if one of them falls to you, you know. That's a that's a good little bite. Yeah, you know, go ahead and take it. Unless these mock drafts everyone's putting out like go perfectly, like they're guessing, which never happens. Never. There's going to be a really good caliber player 
for multiple positions at 10 for us. Like, unless the perfect storm happens where, you know, you'll have Pitts, Sewell, Slater, and Sertan, and maybe J.C. Horn all taken before 10 somehow, and, like, receivers are just left out of the mix for some reason, the Cowboys are going to have tons of options at number 10. And the fact that our biggest need right now is cornerback, and it's not projected that cornerbacks, you know, the top two are Sertan and J.C. Horn. Those two guys aren't even projected to really go anywhere between until like 9 through 12. So we're right at the start of that mix. So we'll get one one of the, one of those two. So it's just a good year for us, I think, when it comes to the situation we're in and the draft spot we're in. So I'm happy, and I'll be on the edge of my seat come draft day about what happens and who we draft. But some yeah, team... I'm some sure team, our chat will be on fire. Yeah, our chow chow will be having a great time. Some some team in the top 10 is going to screw something up. Mm-hmm. It always, always happens. Do. It's usually the Giants, but they're drafting 11, so they can't draft Daniel Jones two rounds too early this year. So we'll get somebody. J.C. Horn will be happy with. Um, Patrick Sertan will be really happy with. Kyle Pitts really happy with. Penny Sewell over the moon about, but we'll wait. Do you guys think there's a chance that a running back does not get taken in the first round. Yeah. Of every like it's of every not team. not looking like it's like a major I think draft to, towards the end of this first is, round to get. Is ETN the highest ranked one? Najee. No, it's going to oh, be uh yeah, yeah. it's going to be Najee Harris. ETN, and then you got the two North Carolina guys and then Sermon. If there's a t- if there's a running back taken, it's going to I think the first running back taken would be like if the Buccaneers take him 32nd overall, if they got a like Najee Harris or something, like 28, 28, like like those late rounds, that would be like the the Saints, the Packers. Which the Packers hold on to Aaron Jones, so that's not. I ooh. think the Steelers could get one. The Steelers are definitely in line. James yeah. Conner isn't too too amazing. Right. Steelers 24th overall pick. This mock draft has them taking Carlos Bassam Jr. out of Wake Forest, edge rusher, but. You know, their defensive line is pretty good. They could get a running back. I don't think running back's not that big a priority. It's those two main guys. ETN's been a second round guy his whole career. Yeah. He stayed his senior year to up his draft stock, but it didn't really get into the first round. It went He's worse, I think. Yeah. It kind of stayed the same, if not got a little worse. So he stayed in the second round mix the entire time. And Najee Harris, super big talent, but, you know, he's no Saquon. He's no Zeke. He's not going to go top five. So Jets, 100% taking. Yeah, they'll probably get either Najee or ETN with that second, yeah. second round. What's their second round pick? Like overall, do you know the number? Two, right? The second second round pick? Okay, so that'd be thirty fourth overall? Okay, yeah, they they can never get a running back at that point. They'll probably get if Najee's gone, they'll get ETN. Yeah. So they get Zach Wilson and ETN for to mm-hmm. revive their offense, I guess. We'll wait and see. You know, by by next week there'll be more trade news that someone traded up and we'll have to change our entire lock draft. But yeah. we'll get to that point. But I think that is going to do it for the show today, guys. Thank you so much for coming on and listening to everyone listening live or listening on the podcast. Uh we got a couple more weeks. Three more weeks of the show, it looks like. Today is April 7th. We have a show on the 14th, 21st, and 28th, and that will be it. So Mm. if you got suggestions what we're going to talk about or if you want any uh, some fun topics, just let us know on our social media, at OffTheBenchXLR, and uh, we will definitely take it into consideration. We're running a little bit dry, but uh, we'll find some stuff to talk about. We have At least our last show is going to be full of predictions, which are easily the funnest thing to do. Just make the Super Bowl predictions, and we can eventually see how wrong some of us were. (laughs) I picked the Seahawks and the Ravens for the Super Bowl this past year. In my rate to early predictions, didn't end, that didn't end too, too well. At least well. they both made the playoffs. Yeah, it was, it was close. They both made the divisional round. At least. No, the Seahawks didn't even make the divisional round. They lost in the wild card. Yeah. They lost to uh, the, backup, the, Rams. the Rams' backup quarterback. who played for the AAF. But we'll get to see what happens. But, guys, anyway, stay tuned for all of that. Continue listening to the show the next three weeks. If you haven't already, follow us on social media at OffTheBenchXLR. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, as well as YouTube. Look up Off the Bench. 
or go to our links on our social media pages to find the links to every other social media. Again, that is at Off The Bench XLR, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as well. Follow us on our podcasting network. If you were not able to catch this entire episode or want to listen to other episodes, you can find us on Google Play Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find your shows. Just look up Off The Bench, look for the green, gray, white logo, and we are there with all episodes this season and last season. But anyway, guys, Chris, Liam, thank you for coming on the show as always. And uh, guys, remember to stay in the game and off the bench and have a good night. (laughs) 